Filmmaker Jeffrey Morris has a fascinating Kickstarter for a documentary on an iconic spaceship, the Eagle from Space 1999. But he's also working on his own projects with his Future Dude Productions that we also talk about as well. And this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. Here is a look at this grand old spaceship, the Eagle. The Eagle that was used in space 1999, I swear that thing could actually fly. I mean, it was that good. It was that good. It sure, it sure looked like it could. It certainly looked like it had elements that could. And, uh, um, and I, you know, it, it, uh, that's part of why I think I fell in love with it, right? It, it looked like something, you know, there, there have been all kinds of sci fi vehicles, but, there were very few. I can't think of any that that had elements of actual NASA hardware in, integrated, mm-hmm. like a sci-fi vehicle that looked like that, right? I mean, that was you know maybe when you get into the ships in Interstellar, maybe a little bit that sort of sort of thing. But you know what I mean? It's just it was just unique from that standpoint. There's more with Jeffrey Morris talking about Space 1999, the Eagle Has Landed documentary. Yeah, I mean, it really looked like something that was practical and could work. And I, I kind of like the kind of like the step down, sunk in cockpit. I thought that was an interesting choice. Oh, see, I love that. You're the first person to bring that up in, in any of these discussions. But like, I really, really liked that. I thought that was so that kind of fit. Yeah, you know, that you'd get in and then and then the chairs would slide into position. I loved that when I was a kid. I thought that was so cool. Yeah. What I love about the documentary is you really take a deep dive into this mm-hmm. and. How did you find, how did you get in touch with like Brian Johnston, who designed the original one and also did a Stromo for Alien and um, among a ton of other things he did? Yeah, he worked on The Empire Strikes Back. He worked on 2001 Space Odyssey. He worked yeah. on, oh uh, uh, gosh, Dragon Slayer, which is a movie I like. Um, Brian's amazing. I, you know, I, I first met him through a connection. I, I work with a company called Machinarium that's based at the Pinewood Studios in London. And they are, uh, they have a lot of connections with these legendary film people in, in England, you know, because they're, 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 they're making movies in the exact same spot that all these old, you know, as a matter of fact, the, the stage where Space 1999 was shot is very close to where their facility is on the same lot, you know. Um, so these people, they, they interact, they have, a, they have relationships. And I, it's, it's a pretty neat thing to be able to uh, connect, you know, they, they were able to kind of connect me with them and everything. So it's great. So I, I had lunch with Brian. Oh uh, gosh, I think it was my 2017, 2018, somewhere in there, and um, and we we hit it off. He really liked what I was doing, what I was up to, and uh, we've kind of stayed in touch basically since then. And when I let him know that I wanted to do this documentary, he was very interested. So and mm-hmm. then so I was just over there in um, February in in the UK, and I I had lunch with Brian, and he told me all about his career and his life. It was really really a very heartfelt, very powerful conversation, and I. I realized there's there's more to this story than just the eagle, you know, and and so with him, I want to be able to, to have the audience get to know him. You know, what, while we're talking about the eagle, I want them to get to know him as well and the things that he he's accomplished. And you know, um, the eagle is just one part of it. I think another coup is talking to some of the cast, Nick Tate, who piloted the eagle. Yes, uh, yeah. and did he yeah. kind of share anything as far as the controls were? Did he? Did he kind of have an idea how things worked or was it just? Well, I, I think he was making it up. You know, okay. I, I think the, key, <laughs> the key was, you know, there wasn't there wasn't like this big like like handbook or something where it was like, OK, here's how you fly an eagle. Yeah. I, think, I think 
what what it was is that you you start to figure out a, a way to you're miming the operation of this vehicle basically so i think he figured that out and once he got a sense of how he wanted to do it he just repeated those movements so you, you press this you do this you grab that and that became sort of a part of his uh uh you know sort of pilot vocabulary as, as it were you know so yeah yeah what i like too is for this uh talking to the great barbara bain who like Martin Landau, who was on the show, they both were also in Mission Impossible. That's how I got to know them. Mm -hmm. uh, and her cinnamon was broke ground then. And certainly her Helena uh, was uh, even broke more ground, a strong second uh, female lead in a, in a TV series, even in, in the 70s was unheard of. Yeah. Kind of share a little bit of what you uh, talked about with her. Well, I had lunch with her uh, in Los Angeles uh uh, almost two weeks ago. And we had just this lovely conversation about her life and career. And, um, you know, it's people think of her as those two characters, but there's a lot more to her than that. She's very involved in um, literacy. She's she's done nice. some uh, work with helping lots of children, millions of kids read and get their library cards. And she's, you know, she's very much into critical thinking. And um, she, she's an avid reader. And she's even written her a book about her own life story and everything it hasn't been published, but she's, you know, so she's, she's amazing. And we, we really, really, really hit it off. We talked a lot about, um, you know, all kinds of aspects of uh, uh, television, film, you know, um, the, the part that I found most fascinating was asking her about what it was like to travel to England and actually, uh, um, so first off, she was, they were, they kind of courted her and Martin um, to to be in the series and while they were developing it, right? And so she actually connected them with uh, the the Andersons with uh, Rudy Gernreich, who designed the costumes because she had a friendship with him. And so that was kind of cool. But then she, I asked her a lot about, you know, what was it like being on the sets? Because that's the part that I'm really interested in. And she said that uh, she'd never seen anything like it going in there, you know, the the, the scale and the you know usually sets were were something that were up and they'd strike it and it was you know kind of temporary and you had to kind of be careful around you know they, these guys went and built this they built Moonbase alpha you know they really really built these enormous well-realized sets and she she thought she was almost like she thought they were nuts you know it's like what is this this is so you know this massive stage and this massive sets and and the technology and and all the gadgets and the costumes and the whole thing so it was like stepping into another world and she really really i think that's something that really stuck with her and that's that's part of what i really want that's what i want to focus on in talking to her in the documentary is really what was this uh what was it like to be in that world of 1999 as it was depicted she wasn't she came into it she wasn't a science fiction fan previous to that or anything so i think she said she told me she'd read a maybe an asimov book or something before that maybe some asimov maybe heinlein or something but very little but so mm -hmm. so this was a, a new world for her but i boy she she certainly stepped into it you know mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah yeah and and i think she's very um grateful to all the fans who have followed her over the years and have uh um you know have such an enormous amount of uh respect and adoration you know i think that's all an aspect so you know we're planning to do some some great recreations of of um the eagle in the in the documentary visual effects nice nice um, it's gonna be a very narrative it, it's gonna be an emotional narrative journey as opposed to just a cut and dried documentary you know I, I don't I'm not really that interested in any like I don't want to make a documentary just about the technical aspects of the eagle that right first right. off there are only going to be a couple hundred people in the world that would even care 
um, you know, but I want to make something that's for mass audiences that um, I, I want this to be one of those documentaries that's really surprising where people are like, well, I had never heard of this. You know, it's like, this is really, you know, the, the people, millions have never heard of Space 1999, right? So, yeah. so the idea of being, and, and I, I need to share with you that the central thesis of the documentary is really about the idea that it's not even, it's beyond the ego. It's really about the fact, like I was, what made me want to make this was like the question of why. Why was the eagle something that I loved and so many other people seem to love and build and collect and create illustrations and animations? Why? 50 years later, why? And the answer that I kind of, after soul searching was, it connects to with what you said at the very beginning of our conversation. The eagle connected to what felt like reality. And the fact that it was only set 25 years in the future that's a, a really interesting thought, right? It's like, it's like, that's a world that you and I would get to be part of and grow up to be engaged with, right? As opposed to, um, you know, something like Star Trek, which is 300 years in the future, right? Yeah. It, just, it, it doesn't feel, um, you know, and, and, and Star Wars is a, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, right? It's like, you, you know what I mean? It's like, this is, this was tangible and it's now and it's here and it's something that we can actually, um, you know, interface with and i think that that epitomized the future that we lost that didn't actually occur in a lot of ways you know so that's what i really want to talk about in this documentary is how this was a unique period of time that really impacted an entire generation of people and it's not talked about enough also really i think what the fans are going to appreciate is that you talk to fans that are really passionate about the eagle too and i thought that was really nice Yeah. yeah i think that you know part of why i've i um have been approaching this as something that I want to fund, you know, privately as opposed to through a, you know, like a Hollywood studio or or streamer is the fact that I, you know, there's a reticence to want to talk about that kind of thing. Everything's focused very much on celebrities and, and that's and not, and not that we aren't going to have some celebrities in this, of course, but I, I really think the fan story is super, super important to this. And I think that having fans on board and being able to get to know them and, and understand their passion and, and, uh, and I think, I think it's just hugely, hugely impossible, important to this. So, mm-hmm. um, and we're really going to delve into um, a couple of key fans and tell their stories and let them even tell their own stories as part of this documentary, which is going to be pretty cool. It takes me back when I first saw it and uh, that feeling that you could step in that cockpit and fly this thing because with, with training, but it, it is practical that it could actually take off and fly. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you know, the Enterprise is cool. I love it. But, well, we you know, but it's like dilithium crystals, or warp technology. Yeah, it's, 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 it's got it, some it's, uh, it's a little physics. far away, you know. But yeah, it's, it's got some aspects that just don't exist in the real world, right? We, mm-hmm. we were kind of making things up. Whereas you could see the the you know the engine bells on the on in the RCS thrusters and the, yeah. the you know styled cockpit and it just if you look at that thing and you go well i could see from the lunar module and this nasa hardware from the late 60s early 70s i could project forward you know 25 years ago yeah i can see that yeah absolutely mm-hmm. and it's like that's that's where we're headed that's what it's going to be so i think that you know for a whole generation it's like and think about the the, the toys and the miniatures the, the you know little dinky toy you know the, those things were really cool toys. And I think yeah. they, they impacted a whole bunch of kids. It's funny because I'll run into people and they'll go, what are you doing? What are you working on? I'll talk about it. They'll go, oh man, I had one of those. Or <laughs> you know, my brother had one of those. Oh, I love that. You know, so it's it, it, it had a resonance. And I think it's going to be, again, it's going to be a surprising story. So you're on Kickstarter. Uh, you've raised some money. 
Uh, yeah, so we, we raised about a quarter of it. You know, um, the the good news is we do have a, a solid plan B. Um, you know, but but what what this Kickstarter does has done for us, regardless of whether it. Well, first off, it's already raised more money. I mean, the Kickstarters, right? Um, there have been over eighty thousand of them, and what I think it's less than 07 percent have raised as much as we have. So the point is, we've wow. done quite well with this, and I think it's. I think it really matters. I mean, it shows that there's an international interest for this and there are people who are excited about it. So, um, you know, it, regardless of what happens with the Kickstarter, we have a solid plan B. The production is going to happen either way. And the good news is this helped, has helped us establish ourselves. It's gotten a voice. It's good. People have talked about it. People are out there. I'm very excited about it. So, yeah. But the Kickstarter does exist right now. You can find it there um and uh you know the, there's also a good website about our documentary it's called eagledocumentary.com you can learn about the project there but the you know um the kickstarter will be active until next thursday talk about some of the bonuses that you can get depending on the level yeah so we're we're, we're planning to produce a coffee table book about the whole journey and we'd like to even include some original art, eagle art in that coffee table book. I think it'd be really cool. We have a couple of really nice prints. Uh, we, we've got a blueprint by an artist named Robert Bonchun who uh, worked on uh, Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, Babylon 5 stuff. He's, he's a Space 1999 Jerry Anderson guy. Uh, John Eaves, who's a big major designer for Star Trek. Uh, nice. um, he's designed a bunch of the ships in Star Trek. Uh, he's going to do an eagle illustration for us. Uh, we have a, you know, we've got the the Blu-ray planned. We've got uh, uh, even some limited edition special Eagle models that, uh. that you know, pre-built. Um, so we have a special one that we're, we're doing uh, that's never been seen before that that we're we're creating. So all those sorts of things are are available as rewards if you uh, if you pledge. You know, so yeah. oh, and also, you know, we 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 uh, we, we have a possibility of interviews. We have a possibility of uh, you can even go out to dinner with Brian Johnson or uh, Nick. Wow, part of wow, it, that'd cool. be nice. Yeah, yeah, boy, that'd be an interesting conversation, no doubt yeah. about it. Yeah, you know, that's great. Yeah, that's that sounds fantastic. It really does. There's more as Jeffrey Morris talks about his projects on Sci-Fi Talk. So stay tuned. And uh, this was a, a Jerry Anderson production. He's no longer with us. But you spoke to his son, who I've interviewed recently, Jamie Anderson, yeah. uh, yeah. about uh, about 1999. Mm -hmm. uh, is he for the documentary? It, it, did he share some things about how it was? Well, like I haven't actually yet. shot with him yet. So, oh, okay. um, so when I go over and, and, and actually meet with him, I'm actually planning to talk to him about his father's legacy. And yeah. What he's doing with Anderson Entertainment and all the things he's creating and everything. I think that's really important because I, you know, he's he's got a company now and a license with ITV to really develop great content and everything for, you know, and, and I think he's he's really done it. I mean, the, the stuff that they're putting out, like that that Moonbase Alpha technical manual they put out a year or so ago. Oh my God, it was unbelievable. Like the quality of that thing, it was wonderful. And so we're going to talk about some of that sort of thing. And I'm actually also going to interview Chris Thompson, who actually was the writer and illustrator behind that uh, guidebook and everything. And so he also did the UFO one, which uh, UFO is like my all-time favorite show. So that's one of my favorites too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, and of course, Ed Bishop, who had a small part in 2001. Yes, he did. You yeah. know, uh, but yeah. no dialogue. He was just sitting on the, on the moon shuttle. Yes. Uh, well, he, know, also actually, came, you know, he also he was one of the pilots, I think, in the, of the he was one of the pilots, and he was the captain of uh, basically the cap the pilot of the of the um uh, the uh, Aries. Yes. And, yeah, and and then he he also had that moment where he came down to to visit uh, Haywood Floyd. You yes. Know, when, when he had his little um, 
you know, with, with all the liquid foods, <laughs> you know, and the, and the thing floated, was floating away and stuff. Yeah. What a <laughs> yeah. Wonderful so, yeah. Beautifully so. done. So beautifully done. Yeah. I see you have an Eagle model behind you and, uh, I do. You know, and one of my favorite spacecraft, also the Jupiter 2, is back there. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the yeah. original Lost in Space. You know. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So, no, really, these are, really cool. These are all some of the influences I've had over my life and career that I think are kind of fun to, you know, just, they're, they're just little inspirations, inspiration points. My office, I've kind of set it up as a, as a creative haven that, uh, kind of, it's kind of a fun motivator, you know, to be around this stuff as I create my own intellectual properties and designs. Yeah, I'm, I mean, you know, my influences were the original Star Trek and Twilight Zone, and oh, then sure. the movies. Um, yeah. Planet of the Apes, seeing that oh, in the yeah. theater. In yeah. uh, 1968, I saw it in the theater. I didn't see 2001 originally, but mm -hmm. when I was in college, somebody had the wisdom to release it in 70 millimeter. Oh, cool. Every, every time it was out, I went to see it. Sure. And oh man, and well, you can't beat it. You can't beat it. It's still to me, it's the uh, greatest sci-fi. It, it's just it's it's an unbelievably well realized production. And if you think about the, you know, we're talking about something that was made over we you know over fifty years ago, and it, yeah, um, it the 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 vision and the design and the quality. I mean, like they just thought it through. It's just amazing. And also pulling from you know pulling designers and people from other arenas to make sure that this design was cutting edge and different instead of going back to the same old you know hollywood people who are making you know what what flying saucer movies and monster movies and stuff like the blob and you know things like, yeah. it's like that, that would have been the wrong crew for this you know and so yeah. i think he put together an amazing group of people to 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 pull this thing off and do it so yeah, that's that's really exciting and i you know i'm i'm with you i mean it, it's uh you know, I, I was, I was, what, I was one or something when, when 2001 came out. So I wasn't old enough to be, you know, yeah. to see it. I, I saw it on television when it first aired. And then eventually I saw it in the theater many years later. But, um, you know, I grew up, to, to me, there's this, this era before Star Wars that is really interesting in terms of mm -hmm. film and TV, you know, and, and uh, you've got things like Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, Planet of the Apes um you know uh silent running uh, oh great film too uh, yeah you know what i mean omega man uh so oh. green you know what i mean there's all that stuff there was it was just uh even logan's run which is a little weird but still you know those things all had uh a, a sense of creativity and thought that was very different it's like once we kind of hit star wars it's like the, the whole game changed and it, and it's you know and, and nothing against star wars there's there's certain certainly aspects of it that are really wonderful but at this by the same token i think that we lost something there was a there was an intelligence and a creativity and a thought process that was going on in that 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 sci-fi from before then yeah you know, I, I would include in there the anderson live action productions and uh star trek the original star trek right oh, and yeah. so you know my my dream and goal is really to start creating new content that but but that has um more it's informed more by the kind of storytelling and humanity that was going on in that star wars era well you have a company called future dude uh, productions and i was impressed just in the short clips i saw of uh, of your originals that you that you've done oh, yeah. uh, and uh let's let's talk about them thank god there uh you can watch two of them on dust the yeah. animated parallel man that's just some really good animation and that's not easy to do. So I credit you no, for that. Well, actually, yeah, thank you very much.
much for saying that. I actually did that um, a few years back, and I that was an internal team that I put together. Uh, that was some college inter- interns that that had worked with me on their senior project, and wow. we all came together. And I brought, I, yeah, and we were actually working a lot with a lot of uh, virtual and telepresence and stuff. And we all came together, and um, you know, I really tried. There's also a graphic novel that we released, um, it, it, you know, in the comic book series that, that Parallel Man had as well. And so that project uh, was very sad for me and frustrating because I. But it, anyway, um, you know, pitching it around with a lot of the studios, I, I, the response I got was, um, you know, well, you know, what bucket do we put this in? You know, is it, it's not violent enough to be, you know, for adults. And I'm like, well, I don't really want to make it super violent. I want everybody to be able to see it. I don't I don't personally like a lot of violence, so I'm not yeah. you know, the kind of content I want to make. And then there was the. Uh, um, you know, well, can we make it for little kids? I'm like, well, no, I don't want to make it for little kids. It's like there's, you know, it's like there's I'm trying to make this be the thing it is. And there's a lot of resistance to take risks. And and, and so um, the good news is I do have a, uh, a relationship with a company called Polygon Pictures out of uh, Japan. And we're talking about co-developing a, a Parallel Man feature film. So oh, that's great. Yes, I did develop the screenplay concept for it. I broke it earlier this year. And then once I get uh, the Eagles landed in the can, I'm going to start. My next project will be the Parallel Man screenplay for the feature film and and animated film and stuff. So there'll be more Parallel Man on the way. It's it's great. That's great. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So I'm excited about it. I think it's, a you know, we were when we first did that, you know, the parallel universe aspect of that, I think we were really ahead of our time because I've. I'd been thinking about parallel universes since I saw Mirror Mirror when I was a kid. Yes. So it's always it always seemed like a fascinating idea to me. And so, you know, so now we've come along, you got all the Marvel films and all the stuff talking about this. This is a it's a different, you know, but I think I think what'll happen is a lot of that will wane. And then by the time the Parallel Man movie comes out, we have such a different take on it that I think it'll it'll go well. The other film that we've uh, done, Oceanus, which is on dust, is a underwater adventure. You know, I, I, I uh, when I was a kid, I watched a lot of the Jacques Cousteau specials, and uh, there was an animated show called Sea Lab 2020 that uh, um, I just thought that was a really amazing concept. The idea of having cities underwater, living underwater, and submarines, and all those sorts of things. I mean, it's like we have a we have a, a a world on our own planet that is just as alien as going any other, you know, going to the moon, right? Um, and so, and, and such a small number of humans have actually been down to the deepest depths of the ocean and only like about 5% of the ocean floor has really, truly been explored. You know? yeah. so, so, you know, the, to me, there's a whole bunch of potential stories down there. So I was trying to create a context for something that could allow us to tell that sort of story in, in a futuristic environment. So, um, you know, we're, we, I did, a, you know, we, we've tried to move it to a feature film. Um, and we got really close a couple of times, but it's a difficult industry. It's a lot of challenges and, you know, and, and everything's based now on, you know, what are, who's the big name you have attached, you know? And so, and my thing is like, well, can we just make a good story? Does it, you know, do we really have to even worry? Because th- that's part of the problem, right? Hollywood's we're recycling ideas and using the same actors and using, it's just over and over and over again. And it really, I think it's time for something new and more. Um, so uh, I do have a, a great treatment I did for the feature version of it. Um, and we're in talks with a European, uh, big European film company that makes, you know, productions all around the world that uh, um, they have an interest in turning it into a feature. So we'll we'll see what happens with that. So both of those are there. Um, and then I have a number of other projects that I think are, you know, could be really great that we're, we've developed. Everything I try to do is, uh, oh, Persephone, there's that, that's our. our yeah, the, the sci-fi project. film, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Persephone, and we currently have uh, Ming-Na Wen and Isai Morales attached to that film. Um, nice. That will be 
um, in production, hopefully before the end of 2024. So we'll see what happens with that. We got, that's another one. We were close, but then the whole COVID thing dera- derailed that. Oh program. yeah. So, yeah. So it's, it's just a hard, hard thing to do. It's a lot, it's a lot of work. It's a big challenge. It's a lot of sci-fi is, is different in that, you know, um, you know, if you were making an independent film about a romance, you could just, uh, you know, shoot it in your house or shoot it in, you know, rent, you know, rent a restaurant and shoot it in the restaurant, right? Where, where we're doing science fiction, you have to create, you know, sets, costumes, props, you're Everything. building the entire world from scratch. And that's not something that's, that's cheap to do. And yeah. um, that said, I still think our, our films and our productions are very well planned out and they're very cost effective and we just need a shot to get it done. Yeah. So we're working at it. And I think, I think this documentary is going to open a lot of doors and I think it's going to show people what we're truly capable of. When the series was on, I was, it was like a sci- sci-fi Saturday night. It was the original Star Trek was on first mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. Space 1999. So it was yep. like, there was no sci-fi channel at that time. So I was totally into it. I loved going from one show to another. And uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I was young, I remember uh, was, we would go visit my cousin, and I lived in Arizona at the time. But we'd go in, in Illinois. There was a, a TV station that did that. They, they like Saturday night, they would back to back. Yeah, yeah, and it was just they, they went to get. It was really interesting, and because they were different, but they both were kind of 60s, 70s sci-fi, you know. So they it, it, yeah. it went together. Also, it was very cool. Yeah, totally. yeah. The irony, of course, was that Martin Landau was up for Mister Spock. But turned yes. it down, yes, <laughs> because he yes. didn't want to play an unemotional, uh, you know, character. But of course, that totally prepared him to play role in hand on Mission Impossible, where right. he played a lot of different characters on the show. Yeah, and Mr. Nimoy, of course, uh, you know, did Spock, and uh, boy, that's those are I I feel for any actor trying to fill those shoes. That is not oh, an easy yeah, part yeah, to follow. Yeah either yeah either amazing i'm not sure about this but didn't the eagle run on nuclear power it yeah supposedly i think it had its own reactor or something like that some sort of nuclear reactor inside it yeah yeah yeah, you know and everything i'm now obviously the 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 eagle's kind of like the tardis because like like and even brian johnson i talked about that it's like the inside doesn't really fit into the outside and 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 the other thing you know there's there's a, some pretty big problems technically it's like if you if you you know like i got a little model of it here if you if you really imagine these thrusters on the bottom right yeah well, well like where's the fuel and all the components for that yeah exactly this is the passenger module there would be there'd be no way you know you'd almost have to fill the cast passenger module with the with the fuel and the components necessary for those thrusters alone right yeah you know so there's a lot of things that when you when you look at this it's like if you really did it from a from a technical standpoint it's like that probably wouldn't really work but it but it but the heart's in the right place and that's the difference it's like the millennium falcon it looks really cool, but I don't know how that thing would fly. I don't even, I, you know, like the Eagle, at least I can understand as a spacecraft, like not, not something that's flying into an atmosphere. That's the other thing. You couldn't fly that thing down to an atmosphere. It would burn up, but yeah. you know, the, the friction would tear it apart. It doesn't have the aerodynamics, but for a space going vessel that's only in space, the Eagle looks very, very credible, right. In a lot of ways. And I think that, um, and I think that you could use the basis of this design and you could, you could, tweak it to something that could work I yeah really think could, right but even if that said if i made say i i was able to be in charge of a remake of this series which i have hoped i could do um i wouldn't change a thing 
on it aesthetically. I just go with it because it's it's so perfect as it is, you know. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you can't really redesign it because mm-hmm. then it's not Space 1999. It's not Space 1999 anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the thoughts I had. If you were to ever reboot the show, it's like you you got to keep the aesthetic. You have to keep everything. Yeah. Yeah. Even the seventies costumes. I mean, the whole yes. thing, you know, it's like, cause they just did, it was just so cool. It was just yeah. so, it was such, it was, it was like, uh, just like 2001. It's like a lightning in a bottle thing. It's like, we, mm-hmm. what is this? I've never seen anything like this is so cool. You know, the travel tubes and the comm lock and the stun gun and all, it was so original, you know? Yeah. Speaking of those comm locks, you know, we have something similar they're cell phones you know so right. oh absolutely yeah and you can yeah. and and you know it was way ahead of its time where you can talk to somebody visually video right yeah, yeah, video you know so um yeah. it was amazing uh you know in that sense and and now we do it all the time you know so yeah. it's it yeah. was ahead of its time in that way i also like that when koning was in his office and that's part of the the, the video you have it's it, the walls are closed in. He pushes a button and it opens up to the control room. Yeah, that and it's actually why I picked that moment for the for the beautifully done because I wanted to, I want I literally tried to pick elements that influenced me. Like when I watched, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, whoa, you know, and when it, yeah. opened up, it was like it was just spectacular, you know. Yeah, and the idea sure was like, was. yeah, I'm in my office, I'll be right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. I mean, right, right there is I'm just going to yeah. retract the walls here, you know. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was amazing, it was amazing. Yeah. I mean, you could argue about some of the changes they made for season two, and you know, I, I, I didn't agree with all of them. I, no, I'm the- not a, I'm not a, I'm just going to be honest that I'm not a season two guy. Um, you know, I, I, I wanted to like season two. Um, yeah. I, you know, but it just, it, it was, it kind of felt dumbed down to me. There was, yeah, a, I thought so you know, too. The, the, the monsters were silly, and the, yeah, um, the storytelling was really kind of infantile. I just, it's, it's, there's something about the the seriousness and the uh you know even even though the the basic premise of the show has some you know big leaps i i you know moon blasting out of yeah yeah away from the sun traveling to other star systems even with the supposed cosmic intelligence it's a little bit hard for me to get my head around it i i even as a kid watching i was like wait a minute what you know the, the, the the whole moon is just flying around you know it's, it just doesn't didn't make yeah. a lot of sense to me um, and my reaction was what happens to the earth without the oh moon? yeah well the earth would be oh you man know, the earth would be messed up i mean it's, that would be that would be a bad deal and so yeah um, but but i think that you know again it's this this from a science standpoint they they didn't get it you know this idea yeah. of like well, you know just to literally have the moon leave the earth's gravity well would be a heck of a thing and yeah. then to have the moon leave the sun's gravity well that's another whole thing oh yeah and, and how long would that take and how long you know what i mean he's like you yeah. i don't care how much stuff exploded you wouldn't be able to cross to even the nearest star system in less than hundreds of thousands of years right it, exactly so, so this show it's like we're, we're we're stopping by planets every week you know it was like the moon, <laughs> The whole moon is going, you know, and I, I'm sorry. And I, and I know that there are fans out there that uh, of space 1999 that are really offended when people analyze that. But I mean, it's like, I, I, you know, I look, I love the show. I still love episodes of the show, but I have to do an intellectual leap to go. Yeah. Eh, okay. This couldn't ever happen, but that's fine. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's okay. I can, I get to see Eagles and cool characters that I love and, and some cool stories that I think are awesome. So that's fine. I'll just go with your crazy premise. Fine. You know, 
Um, but, but season two was too far for me. Yeah, it was you know, too far it was, for me. It was too yeah. far. It's too far for me. And yeah. so, I mean, even as a kid, I remember I lost interest. I stopped watching it, which was crazy because it was first run sci-fi. I, yeah. know, but it was just, it got too silly for me. I couldn't, I couldn't watch it. So yeah. The old suspension of disbelief, you know, yes. you have to suspend it. Yeah. I could not sus suspend disbelief anymore. To wrap up, there was one interview that, um, that I wish would have been there, but of course it's impossible. The great Martin Landau. Oh, absolutely. I would love to would talk have been, to Martin Landau. Oh, man. Yeah, Martin Landau I, would be a fantastic uh, conversation. I never, I came very close to talking to him, but I couldn't make it work. Uh, he yeah. was at the Tribeca Film Festival, mm. and I couldn't I couldn't get to see him. And, uh, and then he passed away a little while after that. So it was like, oh, man. But yeah, he would have been great. Um, but yeah, I, he's uh, he's he's had he probably wouldn't look at it this way. But in science fiction, he's had quite a career. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, going back to the outer limits. So. Uh, oh, sure. But anyway, yeah. it's on it's on Kickstarter. It's uh, definitely check it out. And it uh, looks like there's some cool things that you got that yeah. you're working on. And yeah, uh, just look up the eagle has landed on, on Kickstarter. Maybe when you when you release this, you can put the. Uh, uh, the link to the Kickstarter. And, I will. And I certainly and, will. Uh, and then, if you, like I said, for people who are interested in the documentary, a great place to go is uh, EagleDocumentary.com. And we'll we'll be documenting the entire journey as we make the film and everything. So Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Well, great to talk to you, Jeffrey. And obviously, you're a fan. And, and I think that's your heart's in the right place. Well, thank uh, you, for Tony. I really appreciate it. And um, I always uh, enjoy speaking with people like yourself. I think it's great that you guys are keeping the keeping the word alive and keeping the conversation going on these sorts of things. So I'm always happy oh, yeah. to, to yep. talk about it. So yeah, I'll be yeah I've been I've been again. I've been keeping the conversation going for quite a yeah. while. So that's awesome. That's fantastic. But uh, yeah, and I, I've talked to some wonderful people. Visit EagleDocumentary.com and subscribe for a free lifetime subscription to Sci-Fi Talk Plus by clicking on the link in the show notes. This is Tony Tolado. Thanks for listening.